0: From Potomac Fund Management, this is the Conquer Risk podcast. Join us as we discuss the business of running an RIA firm and the practice of investment management. And now, our hosts. Well, so today we're going to talk about zero trade costs, and you know that's that's obviously something that's hit the news here in the last few weeks more more so than uh, than before. And and I think it's interesting primarily because, of course, Robinhood came out with. Zero trade costs, kind of as their get-go, and everybody's still trying to figure them out. But, but apparently, that was enough pressure to start pushing some others over the edge. Um, you know, we've had Schwab, what a few months ago, then TDA, and you and I talked about Fidelity probably being a few months from now. At some point, they'd probably get there, but they just declared they're they're throwing everything up for free as well. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, what are your initial thoughts on the
1: on the free trade cost concept? Well, I think it's you know to start it's it's marketing, right? So like Robinhood, yeah. they made money on order flow, that's all they made mm-hmm. money on, and a lot of these other custodians make money on order flow as well. So you got to look behind the scenes to see exactly why they're doing it and and what the outcome is, right? They're not doing it just because right. they they think that they they like their clients. I mean, they're giving up a ton of revenue yeah. because they feel that they can make it up somewhere else and take market share
0: well this this is what i find interesting because uh, i've seen a number of people starting to sort of point their finger at robin hood but i think we need to take a farther step back and if you look at some of the history i mean ultimately you know back in 1975 may 1st it's, it's called mayday i mean it's charles schwab when the sec said oh wait a second here the cost of it doing a trade is not uh, no longer going to be standardized Charles Schwab said, wait a second, I think there's an opportunity, and he cut fees, and virtually all the other major brokerage firms raised their fees at that time. And that's, uh, that's an interesting piece, because if you haven't done the research, you know, I mean, you look back like 1935 to 1975 when that rule change happened, the average cost for a, a lot was basically you know, 08 to 1.2%. That's each direction. So every time you trade with no benefit for doing a high volume, Right, you're 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 shucking out some dollars there, yeah. and and that's kind of a scary process. I mean, you, you, when you do the math, I mean, oftentimes this is part of the reason I think a lot of people didn't, you know, frankly, regular clients didn't own stocks back then. I mean, it was just too expensive. Not just the trade cost, but the overall process was just too expensive. So, um, you know, from the standpoint, you talk about well, not Uncle Uncle Chuck isn't uh super, just super friendly. He doesn't just love his his clients. What do you think some of the reasons are for for this zero trade piece?
1: You know, one of the things you look at behind the scenes is sort of the Amazon example, right? When they came out with Prime to, you know, a lot of mom and pop struggled with that, right? To keep up with one two-day shipping very cheap prices is because they're making money somewhere else right it's the the loss leader and trading has become sort of the loss leader for these custodians so you know and i have some notes here on on schwab which i want to make sure people understand about the cash right, right as of six right. this is according to jason jason swag at uh, wall street journal as of six thirty, they have 208 billion dollars in, in cash that's paying 0.12 to 0.55 Okay, the going rates, what, one point seven five or something. So essentially they're they're paying nothing and lending that money out. So they're making a huge spread on the cash. Uh, Their Schwab Intelligent portfolios, which have forty one billion dollars, forces six to thirty percent cash, depending on the risk tolerance of the portfolio. And also they have their own uh, ETFs in that portfolio as well, which are normally higher costs than they're making. So, you know, they're not necessarily doing this out of the, the kindness of their heart. It comes down to if they can sort of disrupt and they have the ability to, to not have that hurt that, their revenues that much. I think it was 4% of revenues or something like that versus I think TD was upwards of 20 or 30% of revenues. Um, so I think they just took a shot. They said, you know, we're not going to starve if we make this zero and we'll make it up somewhere else.
0: Yeah, it's you know it's interesting how some of those prices and fees and so forth uh, occur. Most uh, people don't just don't understand that piece. But what I guess what I think is interesting, and I'm sure if you were to invest in a, a Schwab Intelligent Portfolio, they've disclosed that cute little conflict of interest in that right. They make a ton more money if they keep you in more cash. Of course, never mind the fact they're using in many cases, well, in most cases, their own funds. So. You know they're making their money there, but but that that cash, like you said, it doesn't cost them anything.
1: And there's there's nothing wrong. There's nothing inherently wrong with what they're doing. It's just this is why they're doing it, right? It's a loss leader. Trading's a loss leader, and every custodian has to choose sort of where they're going to get their money and and what they're going to do. You know, I really applaud Fidelity for coming out and matching it, but also stressing that their money market rates are higher and they don't sell order flow. Which is a big deal because most custodians do sell order flow, and so full disclosure we use fidelity and t d um you know for for our clients just to make sure everyone's aware of that right
0: well and 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 I think it's it's pretty clear if you've seen our our podcasts and such before you know our focus is on the effects of of advisory. Situations like this on advisory third-party money managers like ourselves, on advisors, whether you be a portfolio manager or you're using outsourcing to third parties, and and ultimately advisory clients. So you know from that standpoint, I mean, we're a money manager. Uh, what are what are the effects for us when we're we're doing quarterly billing and so forth? What are the effects on a money manager in our decision making?
1: Well, when it comes down to picking the investments, I think it's it's just super helpful to have the flexibility. You know, we've always used mutual funds on the NTF list, and we would trade them pretty heavily, you know, not on a daily basis, but we would make strategic changes, uh, you know, on a monthly, quarterly basis. And a lot of times in a fund structure, that's that's hard. So, you know, going forward, it, it opens up a lot of avenues for, for us to not have to worry about transaction costs. So we have a $10,000 minimum. And when you're looking at smaller accounts, the transaction fees matter and they add up um and so this opens up a whole new avenue for us to be able to utilize etfs and then also down the line you know i know you and i are looking at different stock portfolios out there that me that we may want to right. incorporate you know it, things like that that historically would have been too hard for a 10 thousand account are now available i mean you can buy and sell as much right. as you want and so these these it's just more tools for us to sort of ingest and 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 make our money management process better. Yeah, I know I'm I'm kind of
0: interested to see, you know, ultimately like I said we use the NTF list for for obvious reasons but ultimately there are some mutual fund companies that just choose not to pay the custodian and they're not on that list or some of their funds may not be on that list. So this may open the door to some other other solutions that we just didn't have before from a well, individual secure you know individual
1: standpoint. You know from your f- former role uh, with advisory you know there's certain SMA products out there that are fantastic but they have quarter million or half a million dollar minimums right right? because they have maybe 200 stocks and they're buying and selling and tax loss harvesting and these things just weren't you're not able to deliver those on a ten thousand dollar account where now you have that ability and i think that just opens it up it's from a professional money management point of view it opens it up to to more tools and and that's always helpful
0: yeah i think now the decision is does it make sense from a management perspective rather than does it make sense and oh by the way there are these other costs that we have to take into consideration and does that outweigh the benefit of a tax loss harvest or, well, or something? those other else?
1: costs were always there you know it's just right. becoming more transparent because if you cut your trading costs to zero people are going to poke around and say okay well where else are you making the money so order flow right. money market securities lending cash this is how they've made money for twenty, thirty years, oh, absolutely. right? No, nothing's changing. It's just that they're, you know, now it's public and it's transparent that the transaction fees are zero, and where else are they making their money?
0: Are, are there other? This is a little bit of a side piece, but when you're when you're working with a custodian, what other factors besides uh, the trade cost were in that process? I mean, d- does this is it a total game changer, or was that just a, a little component? For, for you as a portfolio manager?
1: Well, we've always, you know, you have a list of things you want to look at in terms of the cost and how they structure, how they handle statements, you know, and, and there are big four or five custodians that you focus in on. They've always had commission-free ETF lists, uh, but those ETFs paid the custodian to be on there. So the, the free ETFs weren't necessarily the best, but they were available NTF, right? And this is a decision we have to make. Like if you can use transaction fee funds, but you know, not every client's going to be affected the same and it depends on how much you trade. And so because of the amount we trade, you know, we've always focused on that no commission list. So you know with any custodian, you, you gotta see the availability. You know, are there any are they cutting off certain ETFs? You know, they might come out with something that says you know a certain minimum, right? Because for them, you can right. a, a dollar trade and a thousand dollar trade is exactly the same. So there are some inherent costs that they have to control. So we'll see how the how the future sort of uh, lays out. But in terms of us, it's it's money market, it's uh, trading cost, and it's all the other ancillary costs that no one wants to talk about. Like, are you selling order flow? Uh, are you you know, sometimes they charge to mail out statements and what they charge for checks, and so we have a laundry list of things. This is just one component. Well,
0: I think there's a there is one one other bigger, I think, topic touch that I want to hit on here, and that is, you know, there's a, there's an awful lot of clients with all of these custodians, with Schwab, with TDA, with Fidelity, some more than others, where where clients are trading themselves, and. You know, do you think that's uh, going to be good or bad in the long run for for clients when you've eliminated effectively the only thing other than taxes for a non qualified account? You've eliminated the only inherent pushback or pain point on making a trade. You think they're going to trade like huh, trade like bunnies now?
1: Well, I think you know. So the Dowbar study has its holes, has its flaws, but inherently, I think it's a good study that that clients end up uh, less off in terms of return because of the fact that they're trading and the yeah. mistiming of trades. And I think this will definitely have a negative effect on on those people because there, there are no restrictions left for them to just trade as many times as possible. You know, when I was um, talking to some the other day, they were still sort of shocked, a fellow money manager. So literally, I can trade 50, 60, 70 times a day and, and there's, there's zero sort of inherent cost. Um, obviously, bid ask, if you're, you know, that's an issue if you're trading thinly traded ETFs, but that's another and other topic, so yeah i i th- I think it's gonna have some effects on on certain people, but you know to be fair, would those people have traded you know any more or less if five dollars got in their way I mean that's the hard part to say like um, you know if you're already sitting behind your yeah. computer and it's not your job and you're firing off ETF trades, I think this sh- makes you happier, but I'm not sure you're gonna trade any more or less. <laughs> yeah happier until you see the results right well if anything well the proofs in the pudding if anything you know when it went from 60 to 70 dollars down to five you know you could make the argument right that's a that's a bigger switch uh an interesting key here is what you know um, maybe going off the rails here but what are the wirehouses and and broker dealers uh, platforms going to do because they're they're still probably charging right you know, some of the wirehouses are probably still in the fifty, sixty, seventy dollar range where, you know, oh, if you're if you're phoning in the trade and there's a person on the other side, you know, there there's a cost associated with that. You know, I wonder how they're gonna follow because you know, if you're trading on that sort of platform, you know, and you're looking over at Schwab and Fidelity saying, Well, you know, I can do this for nothing over there.
0: You know, it's it's always funny, right? It's uh you know, it, again, it goes back to nothing's in free. Nothing in life is free. It, it it just means it's hidden somewhere else. And so now, I think I've always said knowledge is power, and ultimately, this is what you end up with. We're we're trying to talk about some of these, you know, some of these things. Are there other issues that you have in regards to the zero trade costs?
1: Uh not in terms of clients, not necessarily. You know, I, I, I think it's it, it. What also might come to light is the the unique uh, ETFs. The weird ones that can cause a lot of issues whether they're leveraged inverse or thinly traded uh, i think people mm-hmm. you know assume that they can always bolt out of trades at the price they want uh and with the free trades you know i think that's that that could be a risk but to the overall market it's it's very minuscule it's just you know it could be isolated yeah. to a couple of folks
0: yeah i think it'll probably take two three quarters maybe a year and and suddenly, the revenue expectations and what have you will will sort of level out, and, and everyone will get comfortable with what revenue these firms are giving up versus what they're going to end up making as you know more pressure is put on other their other revenue avenues, if you will. Um, and it won't be any big deal even to these companies. Uh, I think it's in the long run, it's it's probably a good thing, in my opinion. Is that your final assessment as well? Yeah,
1: I think so. I think it's good for clients. Uh, the, I, I think that we have to keep in mind what the custodians are going to do next because you know that they keep having these uh, revenue centers go away. They're going to have something, right. right? I mean, it could be an asset-based fee for advisors. It could be an asset-based sure. fee for clients. We, we don't know.
0: Well, and I think it's. Uh, I think Schwab just let a bunch, you know, laid off a bunch of people too. So I mean. Uh, You know, fairly recently. I mean, it's, you know, these are sometimes the ramifications. It may not be that they're going to lose a a ton of revenue in the long run, but uh, if it changes their center and changes their needs, then sometimes that means people are actually affected, and that's the
1: employees. It just, that's a good point. It just comes back to your value add. You know, if you go, wanna, if you want to buy a bike or a pair of shoes, you go to a small business and talk to the person and walk them through it. You may pay a little bit more. But if you go to Amazon, you know, yeah. you're ordering off a picture and what you get is what you get. And there's value in both, right? There's value in not getting in your right. car and driving to talk to someone, and there's value in, in having someone help you. So it just depends on, on where you value uh, your money being spent. Right.
0: All right, so you got this uh got anything else you want to throw at this topic?
1: No, I think the future it would be interesting to see what custodians do to see what wirehouses and broker dealers do for those advisors that are that are still at a uh, a captive wirehouse or even a captive independent BD. I know that's sort of uh, ironic to say, but uh um you know how how they handle that because they don't have the margins that a, that a large custodian does. So I I think for advisors that's going to be key on, to see what unfolds there and for us you know, what else we have to be on the lookout for in terms of custodians and, and where we place our clients.
0: No, absolutely. All right. So on that note, uh, I'm going to move on to recommendations. You know, from the standpoint, my recommendation, uh, and I I did finish this, it's uh, a three-part, uh, basically decoding the, the brain of Bill Gates. Uh, it's a Netflix documentary. I, I was never a big Windows fan, uh, not necessarily Boom. a big Bill Gates fan. <laughs> But I know you're the, you're the windows poster child, but, uh, you know, from my perspective, I, I found it incredibly intriguing to see how effectively his brain works. Um, it was pretty opening. Um, you know, it's, it's just, it's just different.
1: Just, and um, en, I'm a little envious and jealous. I mean, to, you know, it's, it's, uh, me it's <laughs> so impressive to, to be around people like that who, who just have the ability to, their, their brains are just on a different level, you know?
0: Well, so it's 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 somewhat it somewhat saddens me because you know a documentary is supposed to be where you you watch, listen, and learn about you know someone else or something else, and, and when you're looking at someone else, what it does is shine a mirror on yourself and says you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know, yeah, I I, I, you know, I just I think it was, I don't
0: read I don't read ten books a week. Yeah. I don't uh, you know. It's okay. You like the rest of us, the world of new know? toilets. Yeah, Yeah. it's all, I mean, some of that's
1: bullshit when people are like, oh yeah, I I read this last week. I mean, most people read when they can, but they're not, no one's Bill Gates. I mean, the guy was like traveling with 20 books at a time, you know, it's, it's, it was amazing.
0: But anyway, so he's, he's an expert in many things. And, and frankly, um, and this is, this is what I do like though, because, you know, he was under so much pressure for so many years for just being greedy. And the reality is, he is retired and yet spending more than full time you know giving back and and not just giving back like okay here's a check here's a check here's a check it's instead he's diving into the problems and it is his time which is hugely valuable and then of course garnering billions of dollars to throw and i yeah i I second
1: that it was a great documentary definitely worth it um i think it's three episodes um and definitely worth it so yeah, they're like an hour apiece. So. Cool.
0: All right. So what do you got for a, a recommendation? Well, you know, Bob? we're
1: on episode 14 now of this podcast. So, you know, when I go to conferences and talk to different people, they're always asking me about, you know, the setup, how, you know, how are you pulling it off? What are the tools you use? And, and to each their own, we've had our issues with, with tools and software. But so right, my recommendation is PIPA, which is the uh, podcast hosting software we use and it's it's pretty amazing the the how clean the UI is, how easy it is to use for twenty five bucks a month you can upload uh, all the podcasts you want and they give you a special web page tracking analytics, and embed code so you can embed it in emails on your website, et cetera so you know the more questions we get we, we probably have to maybe do a, a quick podcast or you know, some content around a, pod- a podcast about a podcast, like, Yeah, the Seinfeld <laughs> the podcast. So, um, yeah, we can talk about some of the tools and things we're using and what we're struggling with too. So yeah, that's, that's what I got for this week.
0: All right. Good deal. Well on that, not, uh, on that note, let's, uh, let's wrap this up. So definitely like subscribe. Speaking of subscribers, right, we are on episode 14. Have we made it to 14 yet? <laughs>
1: uh likes on youtube where i think last oh subscribers, subscribers. We're, at, we're at nine i think last time i checked so yeah
0: all right uh, help help us uh, we're two brothers from another mother we need some help let's get some more subscribers we got more subscribers than episodes so anyway like subscribe if you need to make a comment just go to our connect us page on on a potomacfund.com and uh, we look forward to seeing you next time later All opinions expressed by podcast guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Potomac Fund Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Potomac Fund Management may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.